0: Okay, so I was thinking, I know the guys just had their backpacking trip, and I hear legend of the women have a backpacking trip. But I was thinking, what if we did a whole church backpacking trip? Now, and I'm not even just talking about co-ed. I'm talking about everybody. The old, the ones with babies and toddlers. And no, we're not just going to go like... Because we have to bring the babies and the toddlers because this isn't just like an overnight weekend trip. I'm talking about we're going, we're going to go live there afterwards, after the backpacking trip's done. We're, we're going and we're going to go to a, um, a place, we're going to settle there. This is our new home. Um, so, what do you say? We're going to leave our good jobs, we're going to leave our good climate here and, and walk. Um, You know, and there's other places where they really need strong churches, like somewhere up north, like New York City. I just talked to somebody. They said, hey, we can have this ruined, dilapidated building for free. You guys can have it. Rebuild the ruined building. And so we're going to go. We're going to walk about 1,000 miles to New York City. Who's with me? Do we have anybody, any of our matriarchs or patriarchs here, any 80- or 90-year-olds in the house? What do you say? Will you walk with me a 1,000 miles? What? You're supposed to say no. (laughs) And what about dream? You're going to take the baby? No. Okay, no. Hard pass. Okay, so this is what it was like for the original hearers of Isaiah's prophecy, hearing Isaiah 40. So what does this look like? What does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord? Today we're gonna look at this. What does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord in the context of Isaiah? What does it mean in the context of John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord in light of Christ? In order to understand this, we've got to first look at this prepare the way of the Lord In the original context. Isaiah is preaching to the people of God while they were in exile in Babylon. In other words, God had kicked them out. He had evicted them from the promised land. This is called the Babylonian exile or the Babylonian captivity because they had practiced idolatry, because they had oppressed the poor, because they had prioritized religious showboating over actually obeying God's word, God kicked them out of the promised land for 70 years. The kingdom of Judah was attacked by the Babylonian Empire, and after a brutal siege of Jerusalem, whatever survivors were left were taken away as prisoners of war. These people suffered unfathomable trauma from the horrors of war and being kidnapped and deported from their home. So let's just try to imagine this context, hold this in our mind as we hear these verses again. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Isaiah is speaking to God's remnant in Babylon. Those who survived war, who survived their own trail of tears. But mainly, Isaiah is talking to the children of those survivors. Because it's been 70 years. And he's saying, you've done your time. You've paid for your crimes. The punishment is over. The exile is over. We're going home. God is coming and he's bringing us home. But there's only one way to get home in the ancient world. In 540 BC, how do you get from Babylon to Israel? You walk. So this brings us to verse 3. What does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord? Prepare the way of the Lord in the desert. Make a highway for God. Isaiah is talking about a literal road. They are going to walk literally, from a 1,000 miles from Babylon to Israel. Prepare the way of the Lord. God's about to take them on a long walk. So I brought up New York City because this is about how long that journey would be. So just imagine that. Isaiah's saying, it's time for all of us to go home. Let's make this walk. It's kind of a hard sell. So the prophet's telling them The 70 years of exile are over. God is going to restore the land. We're going to rebuild God's temple. It's just that we've got to go a thousand miles on foot. So come on, let's go sell your land, sell your vineyards, sell your business, and let's go. Let's go home. And so they've been in Babylon 70 years. In the ancient world, that's about a human lifespan. So the people who are my age during the destruction of those people, the destruction of Jerusalem, those people are dead. The people who saw their family murdered in front of them, who were forcibly marched to the river of Babylon, who sang Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Those people are all dead and their children are the ones receiving the promise. But here's the thing, God knew it was gonna be 70 years, and God had prospered them in exile. God told them in the beginning of the exile, hey, it's gonna be a while. Buy houses, plant vineyards, have children, settle down, seek the good of the city, I will prosper you in exile. And he did. So we've got this problem because we've got God's promise and we've got God's provision. And God has prospered them because he wanted to have a healthy flock that could actually make the journey back home. He didn't want them starving to death. In the ancient world, you don't have Walmart pickup. You don't have Instacart. The way that you get food is you put down roots and you grow it. So he said... Plant your vineyards, plant your orchards. There's a saying in the gardening world, um, when's the best time to plant a tree? 30 years ago or today? (laughs) So God is saying, in 30 years you'll thank me. Even though you're crying and you're weeping and you're homesick and you feel like you want to throw up, plant the tree, you'll thank me in 30 years. So he prospered them in exile So now, here's who Isaiah's talking to now. So imagine we have a young family, five kids. They have a beautiful home and a prosperous vineyard in Babylon. They're settled. They're doing well. They have all the conveniences of a major city. And, and they have to make this judgment call, like, am I really going to go? Are we really going to pick up and leave everything, walk a thousand miles? And when we get there all that's going to be there is a pile of rubble that we have to rebuild. These are the comforting words of Isaiah to his audience. And in the moment, it sounded very daunting. Yes, it was amazing grace that God would give them another chance. Yes, it was a miracle that King Cyrus not only let them go, but said, I'm going to give you money for the journey. I'm going to give you money to rebuild Jerusalem. I mean, this was a miracle. God prepared the way of the Lord, but they had to walk in it. It meant a long walk home and rolling up your sleeves as soon as you get there. So the majority of the people of God, the majority of the people of Judah who are in Babylon, don't sign up for the journey. A remnant returns. So, Hold that family of seven having to make this judgment call. Hold that in your mind when you're hearing these verses. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God is reassuring that young mother with the toddler on her hip to make this long walk home. God's saying, I will carry the baby. I will make sure nothing happens to these little ones on the road. And in that, we we hear God's heart when he's saying, come home. He's saying, I will carry the baby home. I will gently lead those of you with young. Don't deprive me of my lambs when I'm bringing you home to Jerusalem. God is longing to see the next generation raised up in its walls, in the walls of Jerusalem. So prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord, the highway in the wilderness. And later on in the chapter, God actually gives this really amazing verse. I mean, I think spiritually we can apply it to our lives every way from Sunday, but it's really cool because... It's actually a literal promise here for them. He says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow faint. God's literally saying, if you're 80, come. If you have a baby, come. I'm going to supernaturally make it possible for you to walk, and you're not going to faint from exhaustion. You're not even going to get tired. It's a supernatural blessing. So, comfort, comfort, my people. This comfort is not comfortable. It's more like the original meaning of the word comfort, which literally means with strength, with God's fortitude surrounding us. So the comfort is being restored to the promised land. This comfort comes at the cost of letting go of a comfortable lifestyle in Babylon. And I think this may be true a little bit for us as we contemplate the coming of Christ. I think a lot of us, if we're going to be honest, a lot of us in America, we're living the high life. We're really comfortable. You know, we're like, oh, Jesus, you're going to come back? Can you wait until after my European vacation? Because that was really cool. I want to do that. (laughs) Am I really going today, Jesus? I have it pretty good here in Babylon. But we think of, and so we think about this. We think about returning to our heart's true home with a little bit of reluctance, with a little bit of reservation sometimes. Then God tells Isaiah, comfort my people, tell them they are like grass. How is that a comfort? (laughs) In our culture, this is one of the few subjects that still seems to be taboo. The inevitability of death. It's like we can talk about anything else but that. The fact that all of us are here today and gone tomorrow. We don't want to face this reality. But why do we have this verse in the context of exile? God is reminding them that the prosperity they are enjoying in Babylon is temporary. But the promise and the plan he has for them and their children and their children's children goes on and on and on and ultimately culminates in the promise of Jesus. So God's saying, don't put your trust in humans. Don't put your trust in this momentary success you're experiencing in Babylon. That is here today and gone tomorrow. Babylon, with its... Hanging gardens and massive wealth and lush rivers with good irrigation. All of this can burn to a crisp in a week, just like Jerusalem did. It might have seemed like a safer bet to stay in Babylon, but history tells us that those who stayed faced great difficulty and persecution. And we can read about it in the book of Esther. This is what happened to those who stayed. People are grass, but God's word will stand forever. God's word is the only thing we can bank on, that we can build our life on. And he doesn't force them to leave, interestingly. He gives them the choice. He says, those who will come, come follow me. Let's go home. Okay, prepare the way of the Lord. Let me ask this real quick. Who is, in Isaiah in the context of the exile the return from exile who is preparing the way of the lord who's preparing the road here in isaiah for the return trip let's look at verse 4 again every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain so who's preparing the road is it the people are they out there with you know their bobcat or Grading the slope, er, making a good path. That the God isn't calling them to go out and do road maintenance. This is not uh, the people aren't out there physically preparing the road, but God does promise that the road will be physically prepared. Isaiah, in the spirit, he hears a mysterious voice in the wilderness calling out, "Prepare the way of the Lord." Then he starts prophesying that the mountains will be brought down and the low places will be filled up just as if they were potholes. If, it's almost as if Isaiah is prophesying to creation and creation itself is preparing the, wo- preparing the road, preparing the way. Even creation is cooperating with this move of God. God promises to make it an easy journey He's promising to make this way out of no way. And the contours of the earth even have to lay down and obey him to get his people home. That's the prophecy, the prophetic utterance Isaiah is giving. The mountains will come down, the low places will come up, and you guys will be able to have a passable journey. God has made a way where there is no way, but they still had to walk in it. They still had to respond. And their response, you know, in the exile, it would have had to be intentional. They would have had to sell their homes, sell their vineyards, sell their businesses. And they didn't all jump up and go at once. The return happened in stages. The first stage, the most able-bodied men went and repaired the walls of Jerusalem. And they had to do that to prepare the way for the more vulnerable people to come after them. So God made the way possible, but the people still had to participate in preparing the way for others. Most importantly, God promises to travel with them. In verse 4, we see the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all will see it together. Okay, when we hear this, the glory of the Lord will be revealed, we're like, okay, that's some churchy language. Gloss over it. But in Isaiah's time, this would have been huge news because the most devastating part of God's judgment on Jerusalem was not all the death and destruction. It was when the glory of God departed the temple. That was the most final part of God's judgment. It was as if God was saying, you want to two-time me? You want to cheat on me? I'm moving out. You don't have access to me anymore. So this would have been totally devastating to be stripped away the presence of God that he promised to always be in his temple. So when they're hearing Isaiah say, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all will see it together. That's the most definitive way that God could have communicated to them I am completely committed to full reconciliation with you. I will settle at nothing more than full reconciliation, bringing you home, and we're moving back in together. He won't settle for less than that. So the glory of God is with them. The glory of God is walking with them through the desert like a shepherd with his sheep. In verse 9, We see they're like walking in a caravan together, and the fire of God, the presence of God is with them. And as Isaiah says, You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. Isaiah is saying, When you guys make it back, when you're walking through each little village in Judah on the way to Jerusalem, stop and yell, Look, here is your God. God's glory is back with us. God's back with us. Does that sound a little familiar to us? A group of people who have left everything, who are walking around from town to town in Judah, and the physical, full, manifest glory of God is walking with them. And they're saying, Judah, here is your God. The glory of God has come to be with us again. Jesus, the full glory of God in human form. He moves in power. He makes a way out of no way to bring us back home. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. The shepherd who will not lose any of his sheep on that long walk home. The shepherd who is with his people again, who says, let the little lambs come to me. Let me hold them close to my heart again. In Jesus, we see the ultimate fulfillment of God bringing his children home from exile. And in John the Baptist, we hear this echo, the echo of the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John is standing in the Jordan River Valley next to the same road. God's people would walk down to get back home. This is the ancient superhighway along the rivers. Me and David and um, Father Michael saw it together. It's still there. um, Because the rest is all mountainous here on the river. That's the ancient superhighway. So John is in that place, in the wilderness, but next to the superhighway, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Judah, here is your God. The glory of God is here, hidden in a jar of clay. Follow him, follow him to your heart's true home. Often in Advent, we rightly ask ourselves, how do I prepare the way of the Lord in my heart, in my life? And all of that is great. But in Advent, we don't always think about what does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord in the way that John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord? John is bringing down the high places, building up the low places. John is calling the people to repentance, to come back to God, return, return from exile, return home. The rich and the poor, the religious and the sinners, all are coming to John to be baptized in the same dirty river together. The high places and the low places, a level playing field. What does it mean that John was preparing the way? John was preparing the people. He was plowing up the hard ground so that they would be ready to receive the seeds that Jesus would plant. John was setting things up for Jesus. If you like a a baseball analogy, it's like John was loading the bases so Jesus could swing them all home. He has it all set up for Jesus to recognize and receive him. John's preparing. He's part of this victory march. Israel, here's your God. Jesus is the one who prepares the way where there is no way. Jesus is the one who came down from heaven to find us, his lost sheep in exile, and round us up and bring us back home. He's come to rescue us out of the exile of our souls. Our captivity to sin and death. We had been cut off from God, from his kingdom. And Jesus doesn't stand at his distance. He comes down and gets us. And we might have to give up some things. We may have to leave behind the only life that we've ever known. But that life, no matter how beautiful its grass. That flower is temporary. We're being invited to be part of something so much bigger, something eternal. We're being invited to be part of the return, the long walk home in one direction. And it's in community. We're not walking alone. And I pray that, as Isaiah promised, that we will see God's presence and his glory revealed in this place among us. God has made the way, but we have to walk in it. And like John, and like those first builders, repairs of the walls in Jerusalem, we can prepare the way to make it easier for the people who come after us to find Jesus. Maybe today you feel like, I've screwed up so bad God is probably done with me. If you feel like you're still in exile, like you're still far off from God, I want you to know God has not abandoned you. God has made a way where there is no way. He's come down in Jesus to provide the way, and Jesus is the way. God wants you to come home. So today I invite you, come out of exile, come out of bondage, Come home to Jesus. Maybe God is calling us this Advent season to be a voice in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord to help others find their way home. Maybe there's barriers or stumbling blocks in their paths, stumbling blocks and barriers to Christianity that with some love and some patience and thoughtful, open conversation, we can help remove some of those barriers in their way and make an easier path for them. Maybe someone just needs a trail buddy to know they're not alone on their journey back to God. Preparing the way might mean just inviting one of our friends to one of our Christmas services here at Servants of Christ. God is the one who makes the way, but I believe we can be like those little white blazes on the Appalachian Trail, pointing, This is the right way. This is the way to go. Walk to Jesus. Maybe you feel like you're facing some insurmountable task from God, like walking a thousand miles. In order to obtain the promise, the Israelites had to walk a long journey. And in our life, sometimes to obtain the promise God has for us, we might have to walk a hard path. But we can know that if God has given us the promise, he promises to sustain us and he promises to be with us on those long walks in the valley, on the mountain. God promises to walk with us. All we have to do is put one foot in front of the other. So will you pray with me today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you enable us to do what is impossible with man, but possible with your power and your promise. Thank you that you make hard journeys possible. And thank you, that you never leave us or forsake us. Amen.